0: Wolfmen and Waterhounds, The Myths, Monsters and Magic of Ireland by Moncon McGann. Illustrations by Steve Dugan, published by Gil Books, was released just before Christmas and our very own Aenany Lana couldn't wait to get her teeth into it and to Moncon. Anna so Thompson saw how you Anna, I'm I'm here back in the polytunnel. Do you remember the polytunnel? Uh up above, above my house and it's kind of in a bit of a dismal uh appearance now in winter. But how are you
1: getting on? Oh Tom is as you might imagine. The polytunnel, I do remember it indeed, because it was a nice warm place out of the wind, so which is presumably why you're in there. In the first instance, so you're still up in the <laughs> middle. You're still up in the middle of County Westmeath, in the middle of Ireland, on your ten acres. How's the woodland going?
0: The woodland's going great. So the woodland is now what twenty three years old, and uh, on a day like today, I particularly appreciate it because, like, I've I've chopped the wood, I've uh, split the wood, and it's now warming me beautifully. And, and now the one thing you told me to do was to put in bird boxes so I have about 15 bird boxes and again I was I was dubious would they work but every single one of them have a little bird in it every year and again like you told me I clean them out so that each year there's a new a new fledgling family in there
1: did you doubt me for a moment? But why didn't I tell you it would work? Because our trees, you see, your trees are so new they wouldn't have holes in them or anything and these are whole nesting birds and if there aren't any holes because your woodlands are all 25 years old you had to provide them. So my who, you'll probably get a woodpecker next.
0: Oh that'd be brilliant. That'd be amazing. And the great thing is now, you know, we all have men sheds around the area and the men are often making these bird boxes, so you don't really need to go down to your local hardware shop. The men the, the men shed have them for sale for like four euros or so. So it's easy to buy a good dozen of them.
1: It's a great movement altogether. Anyway, listen, I didn't come to talk to you about sheds, women's men's or anything else. I came to talk to you about your various publications that you have been a busy boy. And um, Wolf and Waterhounds, which has been published by Gill Books, it's out a while. That's a great read altogether. I was wallowing in it at a great rate. <laughs> I
0: guess on the theme of this new book, I realised we read the myths when we're in school or we hear about them, but the key element of all our old legends and lore and myths seemed to be that there's these portals, these otherworldly entranceways into the world beyond, scattered all over the country. So, has to go on, I want to make a map of these these threshold sites where you where at least our ancestors believed you could enter from this world into the other world and particularly when where beings from the other world could sneak into our place.
1: And you have a map, and you have some for each of the provinces of Ireland, but you have a great collection and selection indeed, but the ones I'm particularly interested in are the ones that are guarded by wild animals of various sorts, because these wild animals in the main are are, are fearsome creatures that are keeping them out now there's different themes on the on the fearsome creatures now there are there are some of them that are serpents that are da that are water dogs, and we get these in places. Is like in County Clare, where you have uh, a serpent, a hairy monster, with eyes as large as turnips, and it's it's in a domain that's guarded by Pulna Gollum which is the cave of the pigeons, and we have Oonaghash, where we have three wild cats minding the place, and we have. Various places where there are monsters. Loch Rhee and Loch Derg and Donegal, they're full of monsters as well. Now, is that some sort of uh, St. Patrick banishing the serpents kind of thing, which would only make it 2,000 years old? Or where does that business of these serpents in the lakes come from? And where were they before St. Patrick put manners on them? Or what can you explain about this common theme of, of serpents now, in particular, worms and serpents?
0: Yeah, so Liam the guest. I really think that like the the two elements are there. All of these stories are definitely stories from around the St. Patrick, like symbols of St. Patrick's pure beautiful Christianity getting rid of all the evil pagan beliefs in serpents and monsters before but we can clearly see that these stories were a lot older than Christianity too and in fact particularly that Ulfesht is fascinating. So you know the Ulfæst, you know what Ulfæst means like uh, basically the super worm or the super beast it was a being who burrowed underground and then emerged in different places and it's said in fact that the entire Shannon River was created by the Ulfæst. So uh, again there's either ancient stories that are priests Christian, but even Saint There's a story of Saint Patrick banishing this old faeshed and him burrowing into the ground and him creating the Shannon, which would explain that the Shannon it was just there, you know, from whenever Saint Patrick came 437 A.D. So it's only it's been there the last 1,600 years. So, but in theory, you know, the the Shannon was actually hollowed out by by the old faeshed. Now what's interesting is about that is in March of this year, I spent time with Aboriginal elders in in Western Australia, and they told me the exact same story. They said they have the the waggle, and the waggle is this serpent creature who carves out the rivers of their area so like that's a culture that goes back fifty five or sixty thousand years, no direct connection to Ireland, but we have the same stories saying how we um how he carved the land and not only carved the shannon but like Loch Ree was said when when the Ulfage reached Loch Ree there were other and you know, there were other these monsters beasts serpents in the water so they fought with them and and the, you know in their huge tumult of the fight like in a bar fight where everything is destroyed the lake was actually hollowed out by them battering each other against the side and that actually there's factual evidence for that like in the 1960s there were two priests on a lake in Loch Ree. And they claimed, they swore on the Holy Bible that they saw one of these serpents. And they wrote an an entire full report for the inland fisheries of what they saw. So, like, we can sneer and laugh and say these are just, uh, you know, baroque and extreme elements from our um, mythology. But actually, these were things we believed in until very recently. And we believed in them for thousands of years.
1: Yeah, they must have been at the altar wine. Anyway, we'll move on to people turning into animals and vice versa. Now, you haven't kind words for the people of Ossery because Ossery in County Kilkenny was where the wolf men lived and these were places where wolves and people interchanged. Now, mind you, the last wolf was killed in Carlow in 1786 but you maintain that the surnames Wheeling and Feeling go back to wolf hunters, wolf breeders, wolf tamers, or indeed were possibly descended from werewolves themselves. Would you care to expand upon this?
0: I mean, the first time I heard this, I loved because the only thing I really knew about Ossery in Kilkenny was like the Bishop of Ossery and the diocese the of, of Ossery It's like it was connected to a sacred element. And then when I thought of what os means, like os means it's the old word for a deer. So basically, Ossery is the people of the deer, which I love as a, as a, as. A, so these were people obviously who worshipped the deer. The people of Kilkenny are a people who were very close or who had kinship or whose totem animal was the deer. So that was that element of 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 of, of Kilkenny. But then when I Realised there was this whole, yeah, as you said, this um, this this wolf element, and again, there's two stories of the wolves in Ossery. Either they were transformed into wolves by St. Patrick. Either they were pagans who were particularly loud and obstreperous and hadn't bowed down properly and showed the respect to this new Christian church and so he converted them into wolves either for seven years or every seventh year. There's different stories. But then there's a far older story going back that no they're actually, these wolf men These they're human beings during the day and at night their teeth get long and their hair, they sprout hair on their bodies and they go out hunting. But they're descendants of one particular ruler called Lion. Ly- Faleid, who came from a tribe of werewolves. And again, with, you know, myth connecting to history, the actual, the kings of Ossery, the rulers of Kilkenny and Leish until the 12th century, claimed to be related directly to Lainach Phileid, to this half-human, half-beastly creature. And I think there probably was some truth in it. I think there, there might have been a cult of, of humans who decided they wanted to seem otherworldly and they might have sharpened their teeth into fangs and they might have grown their hair like, in a wolf-like way just to be more ferocious to their enemies. Like We know, you know there were people who would paint themselves and look more ferocious, I and mean, there still are today. So I think there was a degree of truth and so it, it suited them to keep the old myth alive. But there's even words in Irish, there's a lovely expression, quarter bam, which is, bam, they're like the peaks. So the quarter, the sign of the peaks are the horns. It's when you put two horn shapes above, you put your hands above, on your head as as horns and they make this defensive symbol that will ward off evil attacks from wolf-like creatures.
1: Hmm. Anyway, listen, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to, I wanted to argue with you about the story of E. who who um, went off and turned into a swan, and flew up the chimney in Tara. Now you have the poor woman turning into a blue bottle. Now that was never the way we were told about it. Itain was actually turned into a butterfly. And it was the butterfly that the the chieftain's wife swallowed and became pregnant with her. And it was me the the, the king of Tara who married her, and he was actually having a, a chess game with this warrior, and he bet his wife on the game, and he lost he lost, and the best was that the warrior could have a kiss of her, and of course, when your man got up and got his arms around her, the two of them turned into swans, flew up the chimney, and they vanished. So you have a variation on that. So obviously, these stories are being handed down through different voices because the one you heard and the one I heard have a huge amount of similarity but they're not the same story. So these things do genuinely go back all of these, these thousands of years and are carried down verbally with obviously variations as to whether it's the blue bottle or a butterfly but the same general concept.
0: I agree, and in fact, when I was growing up, I'd heard the the, the butterfly story too, because I I was grow I, my my family are from Kilishi from Longford, and so it was just down the road from from Ardacha or the, the Arda, the the sort of the the high hill. And it was a place we used to still go and collect bilberries I suppose on, on, on Bilberry Sunday and it was interesting to see that's been a place where people went and got bilberries for like thousands of years back. In fact the bilberries were meant to be so the fronds were meant to be so um, sacred that they were preserved for the local king himself. So I'd always heard as you said the, the butterfly and I was going to put that version in and then I went back to the old texts and I thought God the early texts actually have this blue bottle and I thought what a great image. So you have Itain you have midder who falls in love as you said with the beautiful fire golden hair at town with her vibrant eyes and her cheeks as bright as foxgloves um, and so she's absolutely beautiful compared to I mean Mither a married man his his elder wife Foimnach can't compete with this and um, so it's you know the lustful man it's no, it's no surprise he goes off with this woman but then the fact that Foimnach his wife gets her ultimate revenge by changing him. if Fóimnach if had changed her into a butterfly that's one thing and that was definitely suitable for us in school when we heard the story but I love the fact that she had the spite and the vision and the anger to change him into a massive purple blue bottle the size of a man's head like there wasn't even it wasn't even elegant a little blue bottle that you might well there's nothing much elegant about a blue bottle to be fair but one that was the size of a, of a man's skull or a man's head and it then do you remember what Fóimnach did then she set up this wind and it blew, and the blew the poor blue bottle, poor Etain or Edain, Edine. There's so many ways of pronouncing her name. I'm um, up to Northern Ireland, where she lands in. Where she lands in, yeah, the the, the belly or the mouth of a of a queen up there.
1: Yeah, the book is called Wolfmen and Waterhounds The Myths, Monsters and Magic of Ireland illustrated by Steve Dugan with lovely pictures and published by Gill Books but it's not the only book you've produced you've produced a book called Fuckin' the now this is a follow on from 32 Words for Field where in, among all the other guff <laughs> you have in it you mentioned the fact that there are about 32 words for a man's penis and nothing for the female part and it was never in the dictionaries. the dictionaries were written by men there would be none of this filth in the dictionaries for both women's parts none of that and then lo and behold I'm looking now at Fockel-Namon and you've managed to write a whole book about women's words that you didn't know anything about in the last one how did you suddenly learn all these words for women's bits who told you who broke the omerta
0: <laughs> I know that Noel Nihonel the great poet she said that she believed that there was no words for Irish um sexuality until she was married and then she was invited into the back kitchen and she suddenly realized there was a whole hidden um world of words that the women were you know privy to but they didn't share unless unless you were married and unless you were sexually active and part of that world so again I am um, well I'm not married and I'm not a woman and so my little book Fuckle Them On is just, it's like a catalyst for other women to go and collect the huge amount of words there is undoubtedly unlimited words out there but I collected about 85 different words some words that I found in old dictionaries some words to my shame that I went to the old fishermen I had a project last two years ago called Sea Tamagotchi where I was collecting sea words from fishermen in Donegal and Mayo and Galway. So so I went back to them and I said, look, do you have any words for women's bodies? And they gave me some beautiful ones. One word was for the clitoris, ribba untivroin. And ribbe means a little tuft of hair or a tiny little blade of grass or like a a stronger than a blade of grass, a blade of straw. Ribba is a little tuft or a straw. And um, untivroin means of the delusionment, of the derangement. So these little Phrases that describe the woman's body, but what I found most about them, about these words, so like blain manaw, blain manaw is a word for the vagina, obviously manaw just of women and blain. Blain can mean a cove or a cave, but it can also mean um, two flat inlets of land with water in between them. And Gowl is the same. Gowel means a, a fork of land or a kind of an estuary. And again, that's another word, gowel manaw for a vagina. It seems our ancestors used these words for the women's sexual organs based on the landscape around them, See, almost seeing the land as a woman's body.
1: And it's it's illustrated every page as an illustration as well. But come here to me, you really will have to rehabilitate Peg Sayers because the book we learnt in school in Peg and nearly put everybody in the world off learning Irish was a very sanitised version because Dev didn't want filth in the schools. I mean, Peg was an earthy woman. She knew all these words. She told them to rob and flower, but they never got into the sanitised book that we had to put up with in school. So that's your next job, Mankin. Go back down and rehabilitate Peg Sayers as a woman who knew all of this stuff and make the Irish language something everybody wants to study. James Joyce would have nothing on it. It'll be translated into Japanese and every other language. knew Listen, fucking them on. Women's Words is available in all good bookshops as well. It has huge amounts of illustrations in it and the words are by Mankan McGann, as told to him by various people who knew them, not himself personally, you understand. Just make a kind, Mankan,
0: We'll, we'll, we'll chat again, I hope. Slán. And we'll put the details on our website rte.ie forward slash